0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team spot, team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us on BleedCubbyBlue.com or at our Twitter account, where we are always blasting out episodes and related content at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez, and I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue.
1: Hi guys, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I cannot believe I'm saying this right now, but I am a fan of the first-place Chicago Cubs.
0: <laughs> How are they still in first place?
1: I have no clue. This is insane <laughs> to me.
0: Honest to God, if you told me that the Cubs were going to have a 20 and or a 22 and 28 stretch dating back to May 15th, I would have been like, "Okay, we're selling at the deadline." <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. We are dumping everything and we're starting from scratch.
0: I mean, I would like to thank the Brewers, Cardinals, Pirates, and Reds for also not being super committed to long winning streaks.
1: (laughs) Or, yeah, really vying for that first place spot. Yeah, totally. Oh my God.
0: I seriously, I, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for it, and I'm glad that the Cubs are not in a position where they have to like look at selling part of the core or whatever. But this is this is bad. So let's jump into this. I already kind of mentioned this, but starting on May 15th, uh, the Cubs had a 50 game stretch of 50 games in 52 days, which you know, admittedly, that is not ideal. You would like more off days in there, and frankly, they weren't very good. <laughs> did not look like a contender there were some problems i do want to give some props to the offense a lot of people have been complaining about situational hitting and all of these types of things i will say that during that stretch for cubs who had at least 100 at bats almost all of them were above average average hitters except for uh addison russell and albert almora jr um, everybody else had a WRC plus over a hundred. Javi was exactly at one hundred. So even slumping, Javi Baez is an average hitter, an exceptional defen- defender. But man,
1: the pitching was the pitching was bad. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I mean that's that's even being kind. I think.
0: Yeah, I so. The first thing that jumped out at me when I ran this list of pitchers on fangrass was that it contained Vic Caratini and Daniel Descalso.
1: I mean, what in the world is happening with this <laughs> pitching staff that those two names pop up on this list? Well, blowouts. Blowouts right. are happening.
0: Uh, the other thing that jumps out at me is that it includes 24 different pitchers in a 50-game stretch, which, hi, the Iowa shuttle has been busy.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is that is no joke. That that list is is silly, just silly.
0: It's, it's silly. It's really ridiculous. Um, and the last thing that jumps out at me is that the best pitcher on the list and the only pitcher with an ERA under four who's a starter is Cole Hamels, and he's hurt now.
1: Gosh, poor guy. I hope I hope he comes back and is fine because he was seriously again. And I know we've said this before, but he was a guy that I definitely felt should have been at that All-Star game in Cleveland.
0: I think if he hadn't gotten hurt he would have been. I yeah, think that I him agree. getting hurt cost him an All-Star appearance and I'm really kind of bummed about it because you know, he's toward, heading towards the end of his career and that would have been a nice feather in his cap.
1: Well, and for how well he's pitched to to be sporting a 500 record is not okay with me.
0: That, no, it's not. He definitely that, hasn't gotten the run support he deserves.
1: Exactly. Yes, definitely
0: um he, uh, cole hamels if you missed it did have an mri he has an oblique strain it doesn't look terribly serious although he did have a more serious oblique strain i think in 2017 that kept him out for a pretty substantial part of the season so hopefully they caught it early and this will just be a short stint on the on the injured list for him uh okay so <laughs> the cubs went to pittsburgh <laughs>
1: Okay, can that story end right there? Can that be it? Can that be our first, the first half of our show and we just go to break? I mean, uh. I think
0: there are some things we should probably talk about here. We'd be doing our <laughs> listeners a disservice if we didn't. But I, I, yeah, the Cubs went to Pittsburgh. The end. The that end. Was it. <laughs> We're done. Have a nice 4th of July weekend, everybody. <laughs> we'll see at the all-star break. <laughs> Um so let's start with game 1. No, we can't we can't do that. We're we know, we I have know. we have to provide some actual content here. Um so Allez start was not good. It, it it was actually it was definitely a blowout. Um I There was some talk that he might have been tipping pitches and, frankly, the way that the Pirates jumped on his offerings, I that wouldn't surprise me at all. He went back to Iowa. I do think it's worth noting that he w- he was going back to Iowa anyway. He will pitch in the Futures game during All-Star Week, so keep an eye out for him there. And he'll be back. He, he had a nice start uh, to his Major League career. I, I have no doubt that he'll be back with the team and helping them this season, but that was not a pretty start.
1: OK, so as wonderful as and or I should say as excited as we were to see him pitch one stat that was very alarming to me when you're looking at um, Pittsburgh had 23 hits, 18 runs. I mean, obviously, they had a couple guys that were just crushing the ball. Um, the one number that jumped out at me and, and kind of smacked me in the face was they still had 22 left on base. Pittsburgh did. Oh, so, wow. That game could have been even worse than it already was if they would have cashed in on any more of those left on base. So that's just one thing to look at. And I didn't really dissect that a whole lot to see where those runners came. But just the fact that there was 22 out there, I mean, holy cow, that that, that could have been really ugly. It was bad enough that this game inflated um, not only the Pittsburgh's batting averages, but our ERAs. It was just, it was extremely painful to watch and right now it's even more so painful to talk about
0: (laughs) I mean I will say one thing about the left on base thing when the Cubs are in like really good offensive production mode and they're scoring a ton of runs I don't worry about the left on base number as much because if you have a lot of guys on the base paths that's you're going to leave some out there when they're out um it's all a question of what the offensive production looks like with those runners left on base. Like when you have a bunch of guys left on base and you've only scored like three runs over four games, that's a red flag to me. When you score like 18 and you have 22 left on base, that's kind of like, well, of course you did. Cause you had traffic on the base paths constantly, you
1: know? Right. Right. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But just in the sense of, you know, putting this in perspective as how ugly this game was, you know, it it, it could have been a lot worse. Let's just put it that way. And I don't feel like, you know, I mean, the Cubs had 15 left on base. Um, I did some some math, which everyone loves my left on base math. Um, for this series, <laughs> I though, I know, I know. The For this series, the Cubs still had 52 left on base. I mean, granted, it's a four-game series, but that's still quite a few base runners left out there. So, yeah, that, that number is always a little alarming slash intriguing to me so uh, definitely an area that still needs to be improved upon
0: yeah I totally agree with that um the bullpen was not great in this game either they gave up a bunch of runs uh it almost looked like the Cubs might maybe come back when they were just it was like five to two or five to three and they had some traffic and no (laughs) that didn't happen um yeah Kimbrel came in to throw some batting practice because he hadn't worked in a few days. I, I, I'm not too concerned about that. It wasn't a safe situation, and he wasn't throwing his best stuff. Uh, but I am a little bit concerned about Mike Montgomery, who really does not look like himself. And his ERA is almost two runs higher this year than it was in 2018 or 2017. I'm not entirely sure what's going on there.
1: Yeah, he definitely does not look himself. I feel like he are we, – we're talking about game two now, right, aren't we?
0: Um, I might, yeah, I think I might've moved a line into, we can go and. Yeah. I think we are into game two now. They, they all just kind of bleed together at this point. I it was like, the Cubs definitely. gave up too many <laughs> runs. The bullpen wasn't great. I, I had a moment where I thought that they might be okay. And then, nah. Uh,
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. That's definitely the same for both first games, but I feel like we should just probably get the first two games out of the way because you know, games three and four are the ones where we really need to to break it down a little bit more. But I think Montgomery, I can't decide if he's playing injured or if he's um, gassed or what his situation is, but he just does not look himself at all. And he looks uncomfortable. And quite frankly, when he's coming in, I'm uncomfortable. Like, I don't feel like there's going to be much good coming from it. And, you know, he's never been somebody that's been a shutdown guy, but you feel like he's at least – giving you giving you good opportunities to you know come away with leads and and not have a whole ton of runs scoring against him. And I just don't feel comfortable with him these days. And I don't know what his deal is. He just doesn't look like himself.
0: I totally agree. Someone who did look like himself uh was Kyle Hendricks who looked okay. The game got rained out. He didn't throw a ton of pitches. So that was actually kind of nice because I imagine he was on a pitch count anyway, but he looked like he was back from his injury and strong.
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly what we were looking for from him. Unfortunately, he was hung with the loss. But, you know, it, it's the situation of the elements got the best of of this start for him. And you just look to his next start and um, hope that we can just build on that. And hopefully this injury doesn't show up again. You know, this is something that he's he's good with and we move on.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's dive into these two games that need a little bit more talking about. So Wednesday, a few things happened. Robel Garcia got called up. Uh, He only pinch hit in Wednesday's game, but we'll talk about him more in Thursday's game for sure. And I'm really excited that the Cubs have another offensive option at second base. Wilson Contreras played right field (laughs) for reasons that... I mean, I understand. I I get that, like, Jason Hayward was out with a stiff back or something, and Chris Bryant had some pain in his knee, so he needed a day off, and Madden decided that Wilson should make his debut in right field. (laughs) And and for the record, Wilson Contreras is absolutely the best catcher in the major leagues at playing right field.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You guys can't see me right now, but I am shaking my head at everything she's saying because I'm just, like – I expected to be surprised by the lineup for Wednesday and Thursday but I did not expect that.
0: Yeah, I didn't expect that either. Um I will say Wilson has a cannon and you should not run on him whether he's catching or in right field. Uh he also does clearly not know how to run a quick route to a ball and basically missed what I I don't know, it's not an easy catch by any stretch of the imagination but I think it's a catch that we would agree a person who plays the outfield regularly would make
1: well and in all fairness I did read in a couple of different places that the probability of that catch was like 40 percent. so it is actually a hit more times than it's not and it's not I mean that could be considered an error and many would argue that it would be because it hit glove and hit leather but I, I don't I mean, the amount of ground that you had to cover to even touch that ball was insane. So for someone like Contreras to even make, you know, a, a halfway decent play on that, yeah, you kind of smack your forehead and you're like, you know, he probably should have had that. He had leather on it. It's just such, it's not an easy play for our everyday right fielder, let alone somebody who was just kind of thrown into that position for the day.
0: Yeah, like thrown into right field. Like that's the harder field to play to. <laughs> so right. props to yeah. Wilson. For making it look much prettier than it should have. And I was super bummed that that contributed to a Pirates walk-off win. Kimbrell, welcome to the Cubs. You've now blown your first save. <laughs> That's a Chicago Cub. And um, time. He, yeah. <laughs> although he had some help with that one. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Can we talk about this uh, Addison Russell decision to throw home instead of take the out at first with the infield back?
1: Um. First, I want to say, because this needs to be pointed out, because anybody that has followed this team and knows the personalities knows this is exactly how it's going. If you read Addison Russell's quote about this decision after the game, which I'll get to in a second you kind of probably rolled your eyes and and felt like, you know, like a pit in your stomach, but think about Wilson Contreras and the kind of player he is and how horrible he felt after he didn't make that play and right, because you know that he had the weight of his team on his shoulders at that point in time. And he felt awful. You know, he felt like he let his team down, you know, that was not a good play. That was not the best play he could have made. Yada, yada. Fast forward to Addison Russell. Had a team meeting on the mound seconds before this play I'm sure to discuss the fact that they're going to play back, concede the run and take the out, okay? I I mean that's the only logical explanation for this. For totally. the simple for the simple fact that the I mean they had four infielders all playing back. That's what you do. I mean unless it's an absolute shot hit to you, you 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 get the out. And this was not a shot. I mean this was a ground out that, you know, he would have had to kind of hurry to first anyways. Right. It was it was not fast enough to throw home. And then proceeds to say that he stands by his decision to throw home. Like what? That Are you actually serious?
0: that really bothered me because yeah. you make a mistake, it costs your team the game, you own up to it. And and maybe cost your team the game is too much. Like there were a lot of mental errors in this game that could have gone differently. There were some base running mistakes. Um we already talked about, you know, having an actual right fielder and right field in the bottom of the ninth. Um, but the you, you make a mistake. It contributes to your team losing. The correct answer is I made a mistake. And that was one of the few times that I've seen a player say, I stand by what I did. And Joe kind of be like, that was a mistake. Joe yeah. very rarely contradicts what his players say. And for him to
1: do that, I thought said a lot. Well, and then, you know, the whole thing, I, I could understand it. I could kind of, and I, I, I guess I can't. I struggle with this because I can't. Anybody that knows that's played that's been on a field that's been in this situation where the game's on the line, you feel like there's a lot of pressure in every situation. I have always been the kind of person that I want the ball to be hit to me because I know exactly what I'm doing, where I'm going, and what what the next play consists of. I want the ball to be hit to me because I know what I'm going to do. I know what's going to happen if I get the ball. That's the that's the mentality every player should have on the field. You pull all of your infielders into the mound and have a conference and discuss what could possibly happen and what what you how you would need to react and what needs to be done and you still don't get it right and then you still stand by that? Like I just I have a, a serious problem with that. I, I I mean, obviously, we have problems with Addison Russell for many reasons, but the fact that he just cannot own up to anything is just so troubling because where you know, how much longer do we allow this to go on? I mean, what else happens when he's in a game and he's you know just going to blow it off as, oh, well, I guess I'm getting good experience out there. I'll know for future, future reference, what I should do. Are you serious? You cannot be serious. That cannot be, those cannot actually be words that are coming out of your mouth. Like really, it just, ugh, it's such a head scratcher. I just don't get it.
0: Well, and and I think that that added, and I I don't want to, again, I don't want to put too much blame and causation into some of these statistics, but a bunch of people, Al wrote a piece that included these numbers. I've seen it on Twitter from a few people that follow us um, and that we follow, that the Cubs record, with Addison Russell starting and without Addison Russell starting is the difference in terms of their like losing record or winning record. And I don't, I don't mean to like throw all of that at his feet, but I do think it matters that they replaced a really good club leadership guy who was a team player and a vet in Ben Zobrist with the guy who doesn't necessarily own up to his mistakes. And I think that you see that when he's out there. And I, like I said, these are small sample sizes. It could be other things, but that, those numbers are out there. People have been tweeting them. And I think that, you know, you you have to be aware of that. And when you hear him not take ownership of a mistake like that, that's really, that's really unfortunate. I just, I I didn't like it at
1: all. Well, and this is part of the reason why this man never has been and never will be a leader on this team because a leader, no matter what, even if that wasn't his mistake, I mean, I'm surprised that we didn't hear like a Javi Baez or Wilson Contreras go out and say, you know, I could have helped my teammates somehow that, that could be on me. You know what I'm saying? Like right. they're so quick to take the fall for stuff like that or to back their team teammates up or, you know, to to do whatever they can do to help their teammates succeed, help their team succeed, whatever. And then to hear him basically say, "Nope, I would have, I'll do it. This, you know, I would have done it the same way if I had the opportunity again. You know, it, this is this gave me a great experience at, at second base since I haven't been playing there very much. Are you oh. joking?
0: He's like nine hundred plus innings
1: at second base, right? Right. Does he not know his stats? Because I mean, I will happily type up a letter with how many innings he's played at second base and send that to him so he can read that for himself. Or maybe I should insta that. He, he might see it if it's on Instagram. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh. Okay.
1: We're going to stop with that. <laughs> and we have other things to rant about.
0: Uh, the The Thursday game, the July 4th game, was actually way better. Um, there were lots of fireworks in this game, both, like, literal, like, well, I guess not literal fireworks because the, the pirates didn't do all that much and they would have had to be the ones shooting out the fireworks. But there were lots of metaphorical and figurative fireworks <laughs> in this game. Um the Cubs bats came alive here. There were a lot of extra base hits. They went 11 to three. There were three players, one hit shy of a cycle uh, including Robel Garcia in his first game starting in the major leagues, which I I've never seen that. That was incredible. Uh, his first major league hit was a triple, which I thought would be more rare, but apparently both uh, Kyle Schwarber and Anthony Rizzo both had their first hits uh, in the major leagues were triple. So you're joining some good company there robel his bat looks great uh, he did have a mental error at second base i will forgive that cuz he's played two innings at second base when he made that error but the you know he, he looked really as advertised with his bat and i'm sure the league will adjust but i was very happy to see that bat in the lineup
1: yeah i mean if if these are the results that we're getting every you know a few starts of his and we're seeing some swing and miss percentages go up I'm okay with that, to be quite honest, because as long as you're producing every once in a while, I think that's better than not at all. Um, and he did. I mean, kid can run. He can run. Now that is really somebody run. you can talk about being fast on the base base pass because he turned what most people would have had a stand up double into a triple, and it was it was pretty phenomenal to watch. And he just went, you know, and he's quick. He's athletic. He's got good hands and he's got power, you know, and, and it's so good to see him do well in his first, you know, start on this team. I mean, that was such a breath of fresh air. So good for him. It well, was, it was a joy inc- to. Oh, sorry.
0: I, I, I'm i sorry to interrupt. Uh, it's an incredible story. He was DFA'd by the Indians years ago. He's been playing in the Italian league, got seen by a Cub scout and signed to a minor league, like, come, show us what you got type of deal, and a year and a half later, he's playing for the
1: Chicago Cubs. <laughs> That's nuts i mean, there's you kind of always have one of these stories in sports, and it's i'm I always love when it's for a team that I root for, but i mean you've you've heard different stories, you know, like Kurt Warner type stories i just i love it, I think it's awesome, it's such a um. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inspiration. Because, you yeah. know, I'm sure there's many times, and you know, kind of very similar to David Bodie, where he's wanted to probably give up and just be done with it. And, you know, maybe this isn't for him. And now here he is almost hitting the cycle on his first full major league game.
0: Yeah, That's good crazy stuff. Maybe he can jumpstart the Cubs offense and keep things going. Um, that was a really awesome... Offensive performance by the Cubs. A couple other things I want to mention before we get into the other fireworks that happened in this game. Jose Quintana was great. I've said before, when he is good, he is very, very good. And when he is bad, he is horrid. This was good cue. He threw seven innings. He gave up six hits, but only three runs and struck out six guys. Um bullpen Chatwood was bullpen Chatwood. He looked exactly like he does coming out of the bullpen. Let's leave him there. I would rather they call up somebody else to get spot starts than deal with Chatwood starts because it just seems to break him a little bit. And c did his job, which was outstanding.
1: Oh, I mean, this the, the pitching looked great. I mean, at what point are we just going to call it like it is and say Chatwood is going to be permanently working out of the bullpen? Because I just... They that are be that different from starting Chatwood to bullpen chatwood. It's crazy. It's like two different pitchers. It's it's nuts. Yeah. Um, totally. But they he and C Shack looked amazing. And it was really nice to to not be like sweating bullets on whether or not we're gonna pull out a win. So it w- it was nice. It was a good win for for the pitching Fantastic. Um you know, I feel like he's one that definitely gets the memo when we need him to show up. He shows up. You know, I just wish he would show up all the time and not just when we really need him to. Um, it, yeah. it's, it was kind of nice to to have that win going into this weekend. It's very strange to have today off, though. Like, I'm very confused about what day it is.
0: <laughs> it's also strange that it's a Friday uh, on the 4th of July weekend and there's no day baseball. Like, yeah. where are the day games? Um, but before I rant about day baseball, because we have some more important Cubs things to talk about. I Joe Madden got ejected yesterday. Now, I think there are a couple of different ways that you can look at this ejection. And it's probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Look, the Cubs had lost three to the Pirates in ugly fashion. They lost two out of three to the Reds and things were looking really bad. Uh, everything was going terribly. And... Madden was probably looking for a moment to jumpstart this team. There were rumors that there was an all team meeting during their time in Pittsburgh. Madden doesn't call a lot of meetings. He likes to call them on the road so that it doesn't poison the home clubhouse, which I totally respect. But so that in and of itself was kind of a red flag. Theo was on the score talking about how all options are on the table and they would be willing to change anything. You know, this team has underperformed, particularly since the middle of May. And it just sort of felt like they were feeling the pressure. So I I firmly believe that Madden was probably looking for a moment to rally the troops and fire them up. And being down just one run with the Pirates throwing up and in over and over and over again on the Cubs was as good of a moment as any. That said, I took a look at some of these pitches uh, earlier today for a piece on BCB. And it is clearly a trend. Archer threw up and in on Rizzo. He dropped Rizzo to the ground. Anthony Rizzo takes a lot of pitches. Anthony Rizzo does not get floored by pitches all that often. Took 96 miles per hour up and in from Chris Archer and hit the dirt. And I'm furious. And I understand why Madden was furious. And frankly, I'm glad Joe got ejected over this. And I think the Pirates need to stop throwing up and in on anybody, but definitely on the Cubs.
1: Well, and like, I, you know, if you haven't read her piece yet, um, please go out and, and read it. It is really, really good. Um, I started, I got about halfway through, I think, when we started to uh, record this podcast. So I didn't get all the way through it, but I did read some numbers, really staggering numbers about how many times the Cubs have been hit. Um, I believe you had back since 2016. Yep. And it's, it's just, it's insane to me how often they get hit. Um, and what is more alarming, I think, because I don't feel like there's been much of a stance taken on, um, how this is happening because, you know, if you're getting hit on the behind or the thigh or, um, the back, you know, still dangerous. Yes. Still painful. Yes. But not nearly as bad as the up and in's to the face and head like that is just to me not acceptable and should be addressed by major league baseball. I mean, it's becoming to the point now where it's just people are okay with it now because there's not really anything being done. There's no, there's been no disciplinary action. There's been no, you know, there's no unwritten rules about it. So they just do it and it's fine. And like fans of other teams, defend their team doing it because there's nobody has really come out and said you you cannot do this like it's not okay it's a player's well-being it's way beyond baseball at that point when you're going up and in to the head region like to me that's just you know you and I have gotten into this multiple times this year which says a lot i mean it's happening way too often and it should not be i mean it's so scary and w- I, I had a really hard time watching Bodie get hit yesterday and they kept showing the replay and it was, Oh my gosh. It was so hard to watch. So hard furious. to watch. And I mean, it's, I'm glad that Joe did what he did. He is very, uh, he's very, he likes, he plans things out. He's very much in touch with his team, the emotion in the dugout, the emotion that needs to, to, to come from him. He's, he's so smart and he's, very much thought out and well-planned and he knew what he was doing. There were so many layers to why he did that. And th- the team really needed it at that point in time. And I'm sorry, but to go back to my, my previous point, MLB has got to do or say something about these up and in pitches, because it's just, I mean, someone is going to seriously get hurt and I I pray that it does not take to that point until something is done. But it, I mean, I get that. I get, they're not all intentional. I don't care if they're not intentional. I don't care if they are intentional. They shouldn't be happening, period. You can't control your pitch. Don't go up and in, period. Well, that's the
0: thing. And one of, one of the things that I mentioned in this piece is that the, uh, the hit by pitch numbers are up across the board. And there are a lot of possible reasons for that. One of those reasons is probably because of the baseball itself. I was uh, This was the interview that I did with Dr. Meredith Wells a couple shows ago. Uh, it's harder to control those pitches. But that just means... You don't get like you need to be even more cautious about where you throw that throwing up and in when you can't control your stuff is probably not a good idea. And if the ball is causing control issues for pitchers across the board, Chris Archer and Jordan Lyles are not the dudes that should be throwing 96 up and in. That's ridiculous. And they don't have the control to do it. Watching David Bodie get hit in the head was terrible. I'm, I'm shocked that the Cubs didn't pull him out. I thought that was a mistake, actually. I feel like any time a player gets hit in the helmet, they should come out of the game as a precaution. I know the bench was short. I know he said he was okay. I think they probably should have pulled him out of the game at that point. Um, But it's, it's unacceptable. If you can't control the pitch, you don't get to use that part of the zone. And the Pirates were clearly doing it over and over and over again. It was different pitchers on multiple pitches. Uh, there were two or three pitches to Javier Baez that were up in that area. Just, just stop. Don't do it. Just stop.
1: Yeah. It's obviously we both feel very strongly about it. It's what I find the most challenging is that you have, it just blows my mind that people defend this behavior and for some reason or another, they think it's okay. I guess we're, we cheer for a team that this happens way too often. We We see Anthony Rizzo get hit, I mean, quite a few times, like basically every other game. <laughs> and for the most part, he's not been hit, you know, high and around the head, which is, you know, thank you, because that is, it's so scary. He gets hit a lot. But until you start rooting for a team where you feel like players are getting thrown at like that, up and in all the time, like see Javi Baez, see Chris Bryant, see Jason Hayward. I mean, all of these guys, it, it it's, it's become to the point where it is a, a topic of conversation because you just, you know, you, it's unnecessary and you don't want to see your guys go down for a stupid reason because, you know, I don't know if this is being called by the manager. I don't know if this is being called by whoever it's being called by. It needs to stop. It's dumb and it's reckless. And, you know, it's somebody's health. It's not even about the baseball point of view anymore. Like s- somebody on Twitter said to me, "Well, do you think that they really meant to hit him with the bases loaded, and and um, that you think that it was intentional for for the pitcher to hit him?" It doesn't matter. I mean, that ball, if if he had good control over it, it was going to be high and inside anyways. And then to lose control of it, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. If you're talking situational, then think about it this way: Why isn't the pitcher trying to throw him a strike? <laughs> Right. Hello. Yeah, it's just it's it's a hard it's a hard pill to swallow. I really just wish Major League Baseball would come out and say something. Unfortunately, it's going to be another situation where it, it takes something bad happening to somebody before anything is done.
0: Totally. I think that's a good place for us to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, uh, we're going to have Danny Rocket of Outside the Ivy and the Sun Ranto Show join us briefly. He has an event coming up that you are all invited to, and he's excited to tell us about that. And then Andy and I will talk a little bit more about the upcoming finale to the Crosstown Classic and two games on the south side of Chicago. <sighs> And we're back. Before Andy and I get into the White Sox series, I was joined uh, earlier by a pretty special guest, our friend Danny Rocket from the Sun Ranto Show and Outside the Ivy, because he has a really cool event coming up and he wanted to tell you all about it. Danny, how's it going?
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, Sarah. I love Cup of Cubby Blue. It's a great new podcast and uh, I listen, well, all the time. Yay! yeah, I just wanted to come on and invite everybody. We're throwing our fourth annual John Baker Day, which is a uh, a charity event that we throw with uh, Cubs mental skills coordinator and former backup catcher John Baker. And um, this year we're doing it to support the Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network, which is a umbrella local um organization, like an umbrella organization that works with lots of different groups that specialize in um, supporting people who are either victims of domestic violence or people that need training, uh, service professionals uh, like medical, law enforcement, and also advocacy. So it's a great organization. And uh, John Baker, uh, my friend and also the mental skills coordinator and backup catcher uh, who got the win one night yeah, I uh, in 2014. Say, yeah,
0: I, I have a couple of questions here. So let's talk about the moment, John Baker's shining moment that hopefully Cubs fans remember if you were paying attention in 2014, which was not the most fun of seasons, but this was worth it.
2: Yeah, and this was kind of the year that the Cubs sort of turned it around. Like, you know, the surprise that was 2015 kind of started in 2014 in a way uh, because we had some of the the pieces in place to, you know, for the next couple of years, like uh, Jake Arrieta, who actually pinch hit in this John Baker uh, Day game. But what happened was on July 29th, 2014, uh, there was – it's now – it's the longest – uh, by time, game in the history of Wrigley Field. And what happened was, is John Baker, who was the Cubs' backup catcher in 2014, um, ended up pitching in relief in the 16th inning. Uh, he induced a pop-up, he walked a guy, and then induced a double play. So he facing- basically
0: channeled his inner Victor Caratini. Yeah, but like before Victor,
2: before Victor Caratini. Yeah, yeah. He, this before Victor Caratini, there was his backup catchers who could pitch. There was John Baker, but even more heroically, uh, after pitching and facing the minimum, uh, he went out there and and led off the bottom of the 16th with a walk. Uh, He was moved on over to third base by a single and then scored on a Starlin Castro sacrifice fly winning the game in the bottom of the 16th inning um, six hours and 27 minutes after oh game time. And I happened to be at this game. Well, at least part of it, <laughs> because what happened was, um, uh, well, we were going into the captain Morgan's club to drink in the top of the inning in the extra innings and like chug a beer and then come back out and see if the Cubs would win. Well, we didn't know at the time, but uh, when we were in Captain Morgan's club, chugging that beer you used to be able to go in and out. You can no longer do that. But uh, uh, we tried to get back in, but it was after midnight and they said, Oh no, no, we're closed down. You can't come back in. So I saw everything oh. before midnight and missed everything after we tried our darndest to get back into, into this <laughs> game, which, and they, they wouldn't let us back in um, it, even going as far as threatening us with uh handcuffs when we were a little bit too persistent and maybe uh, a little too drunk to be let in anywhere at that point in the game. Um, so anyway, I, I woke up the next morning and I wrote a song called the night, the backup catcher got the win, uh, which John Baker's father heard.
0: It's a great uh, song.
2: Thank you. And <laughs> um, I'll actually, uh, if you want to put it on the show, I'll send you a copy of it. Um, uh, but uh, I, uh it, His dad got in touch with me and said, hey, it's a great song. And then John got in touch with me and we ended up meeting and becoming friends. And then uh, Corey Finnerin and I from the Ivy Envy podcast decided to throw a party. Just as you know, it was the two years John had just been hired as the mental skills coordinator. He was back at Cubs convention and Corey and I were sitting around and we said, hey, let's throw a big party to celebrate the anniversary of the night. The backup catcher got the win. We'll call it John Baker day. Uh yeah, it, it, They were playing the Mariners. This was in 2016 was the first John Baker day. So we've got a good track record with the team in the years. Um, so far, but uh, Cubs beat up the uh, Mariners pretty good that day, and we had a blast. We all sat out in the bleachers. John was hanging out. We did a Q& and A with John. There was music, raffles and prizes. And so we decided to keep doing it. So now we 're at our fourth annual one. we've raised money for Cubs charities in the past. we've raised money for a family that was in a horrible um, uh, car accident last year. We raised mat- money for Joe Madden's uh, his Hazelton integration project. And this year, uh, John wanted to do the Chicago or something around domestic violence because of what's going on with the, you know, obviously, I don't need to tell everybody why this might be close to his heart at this point. But I know uh, from speaking with John that, you know, he learned a lot about this issue this spring, A, A, because it's his job to learn it. And to be a part of you know the, the solutions that Theo Epstein's trying to put into place with the Cubs. And so this was just at the forefront of his mind. I've actually raised money for this group in the past by selling t-shirts. And so uh this year we're working with them, and they will be the beneficiary of John Baker Day. And uh, I just wanted to just kind of quickly invite everybody, um, give you the details. It's um August 3rd, uh, so it's a couple days after the official anniversary. Uh, We're going to be doing it. If you've come in the past, we're doing it a little differently. We used to do it pregame. This time we're doing it post game. And instead of going to the game, uh, we're going to go at G man Tavern, which is a wonderful music venue. And we are going to have live musical performances during the game as part of a game watch with Katie day and uh, the bleacher bum band of which I am a part of. And also we're going to have a bloggers forum. And, uh, Hey, couple Cubby Blues' very own Sarah Sanchez is going to be on the, the bloggers forum. And we'll be take, doing like a little Q&A with the people that are there. We're talking about the Cubs and everything that's going on with the team this year. So uh, basically, if you go to johnbakerday.com. Uh, you can find out all the information about what's going to happen there. The event starts at 1, but John won't come, and the main event won't happen until after the game is over. So if you want to go to the game, you can still come and hang out and uh, see the main event, which is John Baker and the Q&A and our awesome raffles and games and prizes that we do. Uh, but if you want to hang out watch the game with us, great. It, it's all part of it, and that'll start at 1 p.m. So we'll be there at G-Man Tavern, which is just north of uh, Wrigley Field on Clark Street.
0: Yeah, sure. this is going to be such an awesome event, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. I think it benefits a great cause, and John has done such great work with the Cubs that I, I'm just really, so to be a part of it. So if you're in the area and you're free to join us, please do. Uh, your tickets will help a great cause. And also the hats and shirts that Danny designs are always super cool, and this year is no exception.
2: Yeah. And uh, just a note about that. uh, We're doing that a little differently this year, too, because, uh, you know, last year we did fanny packs and shirts and we always end up with a lot of extra stuff, which is a total waste of money. And it takes away from the money that we're raising from the charity because we've got all this extra junk that we have to get rid of at the end. So this year we're partnering partnering with Custom Inc., who works directly with the charity. Um. So, if you can go to JohnBakerDay.com and click on the different hats and shirts link, uh, the the hats are twenty five dollars, the shirts are twenty, and one hundred percent of the proceeds are donated directly to the Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network. Um, if you want to come to John Baker Day and or get your shirt or hat, buy john baker day which is the 29th or august 3rd depending on how you count it uh they have to be purchased by next friday so you really only have seven days until july 12th to buy the shirt and the hat um otherwise they won't be here on time so please do that uh well as soon as you hear this like stop the tape go to john com. buy a shirt or hat uh right now and awesome. uh and you could also buy your tickets there. There it's only thirty dollars to come. We try to keep it affordable for everybody to come in, yet raise money at the same time. So um yeah. And there's only a hundred tickets available. So jump on that now as well and uh get yourself counted. We had to turn the people away last year. So Cool so stuff. So thanks. And I hope to see you all there. And, uh, you know, th- and Sarah, thanks for having me on the show to help promote John Baker Day. We're going to try to make it the best one yet. And uh, I- we always have a lot of fun together. And I'm psyched that you could be a part of it this year, too. Yeah,
0: I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks again for having me. And again, everybody take a look at John Baker Day. And we hope you can join us. Danny, thanks for joining us for a bit.
2: Thank you so much for having me on johnbakerday.com. Visit.
0: <laughs> all right. See you, Danny. Bye. All right, Danny. Thank you so much for all the information about John Baker Day. That is outstanding. Y'all know where to get tickets. You should absolutely consider coming if you can. Uh, Andy, what are we thinking about with the crosstown classic uh, right before the All Star break?
1: Well, um, this can go a couple different ways. Obviously, you want this. You want to finish off this first half with some semblance of momentum. It's been kind of hard and not something that we've had a whole lot of. Obviously the White Sox always play us tough. We got a couple tough matchups. um, Giolito going against Lester again, which I think is going to be phenomenal. I think you're going to see Lester come out as his crazy intense self. And I really see the Cubs pulling off both of these games. I mean, this, the White Sox lineup is not a joke. Um, and I think we're figuring that out. And it's, you know, obviously they have some, some guys that are doing really good things. But they're going up against two little dogs. And I think our guys can put it together and, and you know, put together some some great starts. And hopefully we can see Kimberl bounce back and get a save or two, probably just one. Um, I think this is going to be a great series. But I together really and grind out a couple wins here.
0: Uh, yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's interesting. These are the same pitching matchups that the Cubs had at Wrigley. I remember we were just here talking about how, oh yeah, the Nova matchup is the easy one and the Giolito one is the hard one. And then the Cubs, of course, did nothing against Ivan Nova, <laughs> did everything against Lucas Giolito. So we'll see what happens when that same exact matchup happens on the South side. The, Cubs are coming in off a really good win. I'm hoping that the off day and that win really provides some motivation so that they can – I would love them to sweep this series heading into the All-Star break. I think that that would be exactly where they want to be after a, a pretty nice series finale and an ugly series in Pittsburgh.
1: Oh my goodness. Yes. And you know what? The best part about this too, is that while these are away games, they're kind of home games because everybody obviously gets to sleep in their own bed. It's just on the South side. So um, I think that will help too. And, you know, we got a couple guys that will be heading to Cleveland, but the majority of the guys will get to have a couple of days off and, you know, hopefully a much needed break that will help a lot of guys refocus and and you know get their lives back together as far as baseball is concerned and you know we show up against Pittsburgh and and hopefully exact some revenge on this last series because this was not this was not good baseball that we've been playing for a while so it would be really nice to to at least go out with a good taste in our mouth
0: i will say this though in terms of off days like i know one of those guys headed to the all star game is wilson contreras and he could probably use some time off joe Wilson does not need time off against the White Sox. He absolutely mashes against the White Sox. He does so much damage against them. I beg of you, please at least use him as a DH. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, and I forget about that aspect of it. But yeah, that's not a bad call. You know, Caratini is definitely kind of coming back to the Caratini that we were seeing at the beginning of the season before he got hurt. So yeah, I mean, if you can use him that way, use him that way. I think the two of them in the lineup right now are absolutely necessary. So however it needs to happen, I a hundred percent am on the train of having both catchers play in some way, shape or form, maybe not Contreras in right field. How about just yeah. DH? Yeah,
0: I think, I think Wilson's right field days can, can be done. <laughs> um, right. I, that right. was fun, but like, but I'm over it, but yes, I think as a DH that makes a ton of sense and, Caratini's been swinging a hot bat, so having both of them in the lineup would be certainly helpful. Uh, in terms of the White Sox and their hot bats, some people to keep an eye on over the last 14 days. Yoan Mancata has been really good. He's slashing 357, 391, 690. And Lurie Garcia has also been really great. He's slashing 412, 434, 510. So keep an eye on both of those players. Eli Jimenez has not been slashing a hot bat, but you never know what he's going to do against the Cubs. He seems to have a flair for the dramatic against his former team.
1: Well, one thing I wanted to mention, and I know this is kind of off topic because we're talking White Sox, but I think it's kind of of funny and says a lot about the Central and probably not what we thought, that the last place team right now is only three and a half games out. Have you looked at that?
0: Yeah, I have. And I actually... You know, I'm I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit because I am on record talking about this on the Sun Ranto show at the start of the season that I thought the NL Central was going to be the tightest division in baseball. And I think that that has played out exactly the way that I thought it was. I did think that the Cubs would have a little bit more of a lead, and but I I absolutely thought that this division had tightened up based on the moves everybody had made.
1: Well, and I think, too, that at the end of this season, whoever ends up at the top of the Central through, you know, one through five, there's going to be a lot of people, like, smacking their heads, looking at the stretch of Cubs baseball if the Cubs pull it off, saying, you know, that was our opportunity. Because I'm really thinking that this team comes back second half on fire and with a, a whole nother outlook because I just can't see this happening for I mean I already feel like it's been going on for way too long for for the talent that we have in this lineup so that I I'm like shocked to see that I'm shocked but I'm not because obviously there's talent all the way up and down the central division but I just feel like you know the Cubs and Milwaukee will probably pull away from from the crowd a little bit more in the second half of the season yes
0: and hopefully the Cubs first Cubs pull away first and Cubs pull away more honestly if this is the worst stretch of baseball that the Cubs play in 2019, they're in pretty good shape uh, if they can get on a run
1: in the second half. They've always been a better second half
0: team, at least in
1: the Joe Madden era. Well, and what's crazy is if you look at the last 10 for all five of these teams, the Cubs have the worst record and we're still in first place. Okay. So, <laughs> so time to turn that around, buddies. <laughs> uh,
0: right. Have a nice, exactly. have a nice all-star turn it around. Uh, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Speaking of the All-Star break, Andy and I are going to be doing some special All-Star coverage, so you can hear us chat about the All-Star game. We'll have a show out on Tuesday morning looking at the All-Star game and looking back at the White Sox series. We will also have some coverage after the All-Star game looking ahead to the Cubs' start of the second half in Pittsburgh. And we're excited to see what these Cubs at the All-Star Game can do. Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez getting starts for the second year in a row. And Chris Bryant will be back in the All-Star Game where he belongs. So I'm looking forward to that. What about you?
1: Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait. Uh, having those two guys represent the Cubs in it, as far as starting for the National League is just it's, it makes me t- proud to be a Cubs fan. Those two are such a great representation of what baseball is right now. Um, What it should be, you know, they have the, the, the energy and the fun. The big thing is the fun. And, you know, like the t-shirt says Javi Baez is your favorite player's favorite player. You know, I mean, it, it's, totally. it's going to be so fun to watch them on that stage and at a national level. And, you know, they, they, they did pretty good for themselves last year. I I would expect nothing less this year. Absolutely.
0: I mean, in the Wilson Contreras shirt at the start of this year from our friends at obvious shirts was don't believe me, just watch. And I, you know what? I've been watching Wilson and you're doing your thing. So we will be watching Wilson. We will be watching Javi. We will be watching KB and we will be watching the crosstown classic. And we're looking forward to chatting with you next week during the all-star break. Have a good one and enjoy your holiday weekend. Bye.